Chad. From dropping the puck, the Edmonton Oilers hosting the Arizona Coyotes. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. Reed Wilkins along with Rob Brown. Rob, good to see you. Good to be here. And our special alumni guest tonight, former Oil King, former Alberta and Edmonton Oiler in the WHL. It's our buddy Ross Perkins checking in. Ross, good to see you again. Thank you very much, Reed. A lot to talk to you about. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the, the recent news, uh, Saturday afternoon's game. Just how a team would draw it up from your career, right? Give up 52 shots, <laughs> turn your best player loose in overtime. He steams down the ice and scores. Get out of town with a of win. Of course. That's, isn't that the way they do draw it up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the way they played the game uh, looked like they were pulling one of them Muhammad Ali. Uh, Rope-a-dope. <laughs> Rope-a-dope and uh, did it at the end. But it was great to see. Leon picked that puck up, and I thought he was pretty well gassed by the time he got it anyway. But... Uh, and put it where he had to, got the goal out of it. The skill level you see nowadays with a Leon, with a Connor, the Oilers played the Malkin, the Crosbys, in your era, were there players that stood out that when you went into a game, you're like, okay, this guy's good, he's special, he's got some magic in him? Bobby Hall. <laughs> he was good. <laughs> Slightly, yeah. But we had a few others in the, in the league. Jimmy Harrison with us, uh, Larry Plo was in New England at that time. Uh, there was probably three or four others that were up there playing with another person as well on their own team so most of the teams had one or two big scorers at least in my time at that way so they shared it the same way we want it. i'm glad you brought up jim harrison we were just talking off air you know this was the f- the first year of the whi wha when the team was the alberta oilers Correct. they weren't called the Edmonton oilers yet yeah yep. i mean he had a 10 point game that yep. might be the least publicized <laughs> I'd never, I'd never heard of it until you just history. talked about it. No, I and agree. You, I agree. It, it, I think it's called the lost 10-point game. And that game was, I think, the end of January in 1973, thereabouts. And uh, Jimmy, just everything was going right for him. And, you know, he wasn't a great skater. He just did everything real well. But... Uh, that game, everything fell into place for him. And he said, I could have skated all night. I could have shot from anywhere. He had about three breakaways besides that he missed. And, they, you know, he was playing on a line, I think, at that time with uh, uh, Val Fontaine and Brian Carlin. And they were both speedsters who could really move. And he, Jimmy just kept shooting the puck, and it was going in. I think they had Ian Wilkie and Gary Kurt or somebody in goal. And... He filled the net for him that night, yeah. Well, it's funny you, t- you mentioned his name, so I went and Googled and saw some more of his stats. He holds the Western Hockey League record for fastest hat trick in 24 seconds. Yes, So he, he scored does. three goals in 24 seconds, then you told me they were important goals. They were in the last minute of a, a game against Regina. I remember that because we were in Edmonton when it happened, and he was in Estevan playing, and we heard about it the next day, and we said, wow, you know, and... He just went out and took over the game and won it in the last minute. Three goals, 24 seconds in a 6-5 victory. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you really, you really got to get into the zone fast. I mean, you think it takes four or five seconds to really start. Where up was the he zone, the rest of the night? Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. He took the rest of the night off. Just did all the damage in the last minute. So, yeah. you're, so you're playing in a game where a teammate gets 10 points. At what point... I mean, obviously you're not looking at a score sheet on the bench. Certainly you know he's involved. But right. at what point were you starting to think... Wait a minute, does he have six, seven, eight? How many does it? You know, we didn't even realize it, how many, where he was at. We knew he had lots of points because it was an 11-3 game or 11-4 game, whatever it was. And he just kept going. And I think it was Ray Kanasiewicz coaching at that time. He just kept throwing them out there. And, I guess so. And why not? Uh, you know, it was a 
the differential in the score was didn't matter when he had something like that going he just played it out did did you guys have uh, public announcers back then yes we announced the goals and assists so like yeah. at some point you hear his name enough you're like okay wait a second yeah this there's seven goals on the board i'm pretty sure i've heard his name a few <laughs> times that was in the old edmund garden so it was uh, yeah we had the same stuff as they have now, but it wasn't quite as advanced, maybe. <laughs> you didn't have a Jumbotron back then? No? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you, when you, I mean, you were in the WHA the first three seasons, and, yep. and, and it got going. Like, when you joined the league, what was sort of the, the attitude towards the league that you sense from fans and media, but also, like, within the league, where players like, yeah, like, gung-ho, this is going to replace, maybe overtake the NHL. What was it like in those first days? It was it was a great experience for a lot of us that had been up and down from the minors to the NHL or back and forth and thought we could have played a little more in the National Hockey League than we were getting a chance to. And uh, the WHA came in and gave us an opportunity to play what they called and what we thought would have been Major League Hockey. It was obviously a step below the NHL at that time, but it certainly gave us a step up. and. Most of the guys that come in, we were a mix of, at least the Oilers, when Bill Hunter brought most of us back together, we were a mix of both NHL and uh, minor league players. I come out of the Detroit organization and played there for five years before that. Uh, we had Billy Hickey and Bob Wall and uh, Bobby Falkenberg, Al Hamilton, Ronnie Walters. Uh, we had a great group of guys, uh, Jimmy Harrison the same way, Toronto and, and Boston. Uh, but the attitude for us was let's be the best we can be and see where it takes us and uh, turned out to be a, a real good experience for all of us at that time. Well, there were a number of, uh, of big names that eventually started coming over from the National Hockey League. What would their uh, draw have been? I know there, there was obviously money uh, at some point, but what would make them I, want to come? I think that was the biggest thing, Robbie. Yeah. Uh, the, at that time, you know, when Bobby Hull got his million dollars to, to come to Winnipeg and Sanderson got a million in Philadelphia and uh, Jerry Cheevers in Cleveland and it was the big money from that time where they might have been making 50 100,000 in NHL and come to the WHA where they're getting guaranteed money from at least in our case uh, from all the teams that were taken over and they're saying well this is a lifetime earnings here let's go for it and I think that's what they did. Ross Perkins joining us in Studio 99. Oilers and Coyotes coming up at 7 o'clock. Okay, you mentioned Bob Falkenberg, and Stoffer was telling the story from, what, what, that was 66 Memorial Cup? Uh, that was actually the 60, yeah, 66 was Memorial 65-66. 66 so. The year before was the Bobby Falkenberg oh, incident. Okay, so you were, you were there. I was there. So what's, <laughs> give us the real story. Wow. <laughs> that game, well, the year before, or I guess it was two years before when the Oil Kings had played Niagara Falls here and won their first Memorial Cup in 63, uh, they had a tough, tough team. That was when Pat Quinn, Butch Barber, Ronnie Anderson, Dave Roachford, uh, Bobby Falkenberg had a, a solid, solid team. Glenn Sather was on it. He was, uh, uh, Butch Paul was a captain, I believe. They basically kicked the crap out of Niagara Falls when they come here with Hap Ems as their general manager and coach. And it ended up Quinn broke Dornhofer's leg in the in the game. Butch Barber broke somebody else's leg and basically just took care of Niagara Falls big time. Well, the next two years later when they came back, 
in 64-65. They were out for revenge, and they had one super hockey club. Sanderson, uh, uh, Bill Goldsworthy, and Bernie Perrant and Doug Favell in goal, and they had one super... I think out of that whole club, I think 17 of the 20 of them turned pro, and they proceeded to beat up on us at that point. And I think it was the series went four games to one, and the only game we won was that uh, brawl game. But what happened in that, I think it was game three, uh, we had picked up Fran Huck from Regina, and him and I believe Ace and Ronnie Anderson were on a line together and got into a pushing match in near, by the penalty box anyway, and Falky and Hammy, I think, were on the points on defense, and they started pushing and shoving, and for whatever reason, somebody started throwing punches. Well, Sanderson had kind of skated around out of the schmozzle and all the players hanging around the, the fisticuffs going on, and he skated up behind Falky and hit him blindside in the side of the head, and we weren't wearing helmets at that time, and Falky went down. I can still see him, because I was on the bench at the time, laying on the ice with a stick still in his hands, and Sanderson was just basically pounding his head into the ice. And I, I read Derek's story after that, and he said, I was scared that he was going to get up and beat me up, so I just kept hammering, he said. And what happened after that, the police come on the ice. There was All their players were on the ice. They lined up in front of our bench. We couldn't get on the ice. Uh, Harry Allen was our coach at the time. Buster Brayshaw had lost his son just prior to that and wasn't on the bench. He was our head coach, Buster Brayshaw. And uh, Harry, you know, trying to keep us on the bench as well, but their whole team was on the ice pushing and shoving with the police on the, on the ice. And so they finally cleared things up. They took Falky off in the, in the stretcher and... As they're going out, the old gardens had the two big open doors uh, into the concession area and then down the hall, and a little narrow hall in the old gardens where we went to the dressing rooms, and the visitor's dressing room was well down that narrow little hall, and our dressing room was closer to the open doors at the front, and our training room door was the first door as you started down the hallway. Well, we had some old alumni, I'll put it that way, kind of in that area who could get down there because they're well known and as Sanderson was walking down the hall just as he went by the trainer's room for the Oil King training room he got pushed into the uh, training room and somebody slammed and locked the doors and there was three or four other bruisers in the room who basically took care of Derek Sanderson in that room and uh, they got took care of him as well as they could until the rest of the Niagara Falls Flyers broke the door down and, and got him out of there. So that's the rest of Bob's story. Wow. <laughs> oh, for all those kids out there, or all those parents out there have kids in minor hockey, this doesn't happen in junior no, anymore. It's never. all better now. How many times did the police come on the ice in your games, Rob? <laughs> Actually, in my junior game, a couple times. <laughs> there were a couple, but no, it's way better now. Way better now. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's amazing. And that would be, and that was a team you only played in the Memorial Cup. That's right. Every because it, and that was when it was a seven-game series. Yeah. It, it wasn't like the the tournament title yeah. they have now. It wasn't uh, a team you played twelve times during exactly. the year, and everything just finally boiled over. That you was you just didn't know the players. Yeah. yeah. At all. Now, when did you find out that happened? Like that night, or we knew that after the game. Yeah, right we knew, after the game, we knew, something happened. We, 
the training rooms right we got a door from the training okay. room into our uh, into the dressing room so we knew what was going on in there but we weren't part of it right <laughs> ross perkins joining us on the face off well thanks for sharing that that that's that's incredible uh you're still working with the crusaders a little bit yes i'm still doing a little bit of mentoring with adam and jeff yeah and doing what i can do just be another set of eyes for them help them well, you must be doing something right because the Crusaders have been <laughs> yeah, pretty good while like you've been Like I said there. before, I, I'd like to take a lot of credit, but I, I can't. It's uh, The guys are, all the players are so hyper on just being better hockey players, and Adam and Jeff got things working really well with them. Uh, not to take anything away from the coaches, but the players are all very, very astute and, and smart players. It's, it just seems like the evolution of the... Uh, bruiser is gone, and we've got smart kids that are playing very smart hockey now. Well, a couple of kids are actually known in this area. you got Brian Benning's son, Michael, on the team, exactly. who is a, an outstanding young defenseman. Yeah, and then you also, another player you have, uh, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of years about a young boy named Matt Savoy. He went first overall in the Bantam draft. Yeah. Uh, he's now playing both at the rink and, and with Winnipeg in the Western Hockey League. Yep. But his older brother sometimes got overlooked. Yep. And he's leading the league in, in scoring. Uh, Carter's Carter a couple St. Albert boys. Very, yeah, both are out of St. Albert. And, uh, you know, we did a little bit of schmoozing, I want to call it, with Brian <laughs> to get to get Michael here and, and of course coming with Michael comes uh, Carter but I push Brian to think about uh, advancing Michael with Jeff Wojewitka being the defensive coach in yeah. Sherwood Park and he's done a tremendous job taking the defensemen that he's got and working them into drills and game-like situations that they can really uh, improve themselves on and Michael's just gone straight up with it. I'm, I've talked to Brian about it a couple of times. Are you happy you brought him to Sherwood Park instead of going to Spruce Grove or wherever now? Oh yeah. Things have worked out well, yeah. <laughs> very much very much so. Ross, we'll just, we, we started with this year's Oilers, so we'll, we'll wrap it up there. They're 10-4-1. The goaltending has been huge and as great as McDavid is, I think Leon's been the first star of the team so far this this season, you know, goalies aside, who've been who've been excellent. What would you like to see, you know, over the next 10 to 20 games for the Oilers here as we get deeper into the year? What are some of the really important things for you? Uh, well, of course, the the bottom six scoring, we all see that. But I think if they just keep themselves moving and uh, advance themselves a bit at a time, don't. it's not going to happen overnight. None of this is going to happen overnight. And if they can take baby steps and, like, cave does a job the other night keep working Jujar Kara's I think is coming on to his own again uh, I think they're going to be all right uh, with Leon and, and Connor there of course you're going to have that that key all the time but Connor looks like he's been struggling handling the puck a little bit and I'll bet you he's going to work on that and get better as, as he goes forward too and I just I see him being strong with the defense they're starting to build goaltending as you said was great and that's going to probably alternate a bit more, and I'm really excited to watch them now. Ross, I think you have more stories to tell, so <laughs> some other night you're back in Studio 99. Sound fair? I'd love to, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming by. All right. Thank you, Rob. Thanks for having me. That is Ross Perkins, former Edmonton Oil King, former Edmonton Oiler, back in the World Hockey Association. We have the Oil